0: You give the Lord some praise this morning. Hey, you can, you can have a seat. We are so glad that you're with us this morning here at Fairdale Christian Church. And we're gonna do things a little bit different today, and, and I'll tell you about that in just a moment. But before I get into that, I just want to let you know, some of you hopefully you are here, and next service you're planning on joining us for a rooted group, and we're so excited about that. It's gonna be in during the next service. Over in the Family Life Center in uh, Room 104, but we're so excited, we're ready for you. Those of you, maybe if you're like me and you say, "Oh, yep, forgot to sign up for that, but meant to," uh, there's still time. And if you want to join us, you can. Even if you can't stick around today, uh, if you'll swing by the Next Steps area and let one of the volunteers know. Today is kind of a uh, just the first the first of the, the series. Uh, but, uh, but it's not too late to join in, so we'd love to have you, and we're really looking forward to that. Now, as we join in, as we jump in today, what I want to do is I want to ask you a couple of questions to kind of just get your mind going a little bit and, and to, let some things, to let some things soak a little bit. And, and here's the, the question that I'm kind of wrestling with as we start this new series today, which is called Revival is Here. And we're going to be going through the book of Mark and looking at the story, the record of Jesus coming in his, his ministry and his life and, and everything that he accomplished and what he taught. But a lot of us, we are, are standing around and we're waiting for God to do something. You know, it just seems like a lot of us live our lives that way. Just kind of, we hit the pause button or we're, we're in cruise control and I'm just waiting for God to, to either interrupt or to change something or to make something happen or whatever, and we're kind of, we use that word revival. Well, maybe God will come and, and do a revival among us, but Jesus was very clear in the book of Mark and throughout the New Testament when he said, hey, listen, the kingdom of God is here. I've come, I'm here, and it's available to you, but a lot of us, we're not experiencing it because we, we're missing it. God's already done something and he's already doing something Right, all around us, in our midst, but some of us aren't a part of it. But let me let me ask you this question: Is how do people change? Because that's really what's at the heart and the, the central theme of all of this is. We want something to happen. How do people change? And some of you have been married to somebody for 20 years, and you're still asking yourself that question. Like, yeah, I'm trying to see about some change, and nothing seems to be changing. Or, or, or you know, I, we, I've been working on them. How do people change? Research has shown us again and again and again that it's really hard. People don't change very easily. We tend to be set in our ways, and... We're kind of getting in ruts and routines, and, and uh, it's, it's just difficult. How hard is it? You know, you think about the, the change that you've tried to make in your own life. We've, we've all lived this. How hard is it to start something new, to you know, start a new diet program or exercise? I've known people who've talked about the journey of trying to quit smoking. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do to try to make that change. Uh, some of us, we can't seem to stop the cycle of anger. Or the compulsive spending. You know, I never have any money left over. There's never anything left over. But I just can't seem to, to help myself. I can't control myself. Maybe it's a pornography addiction. Or it is uh, overeating. Or maybe an eating disorder. And, and I just can't seem to help myself. And every time you think to yourself, that was the last time. I'm not doing it again. I'm not going back to that place again. And yet we keep going back ...to that same pattern. It's a Christian scholar named Dallas Willard. He wrote this great quote. He said, the general human failing... ...you think about where we, where we miss the mark. The general human failing is to want what is right and important... ...but at the same time not able to commit to the kind of life... ...that will produce the action that we know to be right and the condition that we want to enjoy he says this is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions because we intend what's right but we avoid the life that would make that a reality why Why is it so hard? Why why can we never seem to get it? Why do we always seem to be in our own way? How do people change? This is so important. This is so crucial. Because if we're going to live as followers of Jesus, he has called you and me to a changed life. He says, I've come to give you a new life. Repentance. It means to change. That's what the word repent means. It means to turn away from. To turn away from the old stuff. To to turn toward Christ. And if that's what God wants for us, and most of us, that's what we want too. Why why is it so hard? The Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans 7. He said, I don't don't really understand myself. I mean, I feel that. I really feel that down in my soul. He says, I don't understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. How many of us, that's where we live. Just let that rest on you a little while. I I believe that we we all deeply and desperately want a relationship with God that's life-changing. We all want that. We were formed for that. I mean, even if, you don't, even if you don't acknowledge that today, there is something deep inside you. I mean, that's why you were made. You were created to be in a relationship with Almighty God. Your soul craves it, but it just seems out of reach. You're probably familiar with the five stages of grief probably all of us have heard that. It's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance, right? And it doesn't necessarily go in that kind of linear order. Sometimes we get hung up somewhere, but you, you maybe have heard the five stages of grief. But did you know that there are five changes? Psychologists have identified that there are five five uh, stages of change. I didn't realize that until this week, but it's it's pretty interesting. Here's what they are. It's Pre-contemplation, which is another way of saying, "No, there's nothing wrong with me. I have no intention of changing. I'm just fine the way I am." That's that's pre-contemplation. Then there's contemplation, which means I'm thinking about it. Like, okay, I kind of I kind of don't want to stay where I am. So I, I'm thinking about I'm, I probably need something different in my life. And then there's preparation, which is I'm ready. I can't stand this anymore. And something's got to give right now. It's time to get moving. Then there's action, which is I'm taking action. You know, I'm taking the steps. I'm I'm moving along. And then finally is maintenance, which is I'm doing it. I'm living that life. I'm living that changed life. Now, I would add there's probably another stage in there that many of us have experienced. And that would be relapse, which is to start over again. You know, to go from, okay, I was doing it, and now it's like, oh, I don't, I don't even don't know that I need anything to, to change. But I, I believe, and the reason I share this with you, is I believe that this, when I read this, it just like smacked me in the face. Because this so, so much applies to our spiritual lives. You know, it's one thing to talk about physical change, but some of us, we talk about our relationship to God and our interaction. Some of us are in that pre-contemplation, it's just, nope, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine the way I am. I'm living life and, and and that's and that's just it. I've been there. I, I remember I, I've got some like a couple of vivid memories and one of one of these very vivid memories when I was just just in a in a place in life where I, I was probably running the opposite direction of what God wanted. I can remember sitting in church services and having uh, like one of the greeters come up and say, Hi, how are you? And want to shake my hand and being so angry. Like, why won't people leave me alone? Just leave me alone. Just don't talk to me. Just let me just let me be, you know. Because I was in that that mode of nothing's got to change. I'm fine the way I am. And just giving myself over to that. Some of us, that's where we are. Others we have sensed, we have sensed the, the Holy Spirit whispering to our hearts and saying, Come follow me. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, I have come so that you might have life. And you felt those words weighing on you? And, and it's just almost like something is drawing you in. But you, you're not sure what, what to do about it. You just know that it's there. And some of you, uh, you're ready for the next step. And there's some that are taking the steps. And there's some that are in that maintenance stage or what I would call walking with God daily. And, and that's your life. You've got great spiritual rhythms and you're spending time in prayer and time in worship. You're in the word and you're giving back to the Lord by tithing and you're trusting him and you're serving. And this is just your life. And that's where you are. You're where so many of us want to be. But how do we get there? How do we get to that place where I am faithfully walking with God? The Bible talks about putting off the old self. Almost like a taking off a taking off an old pair of like an old coat or something taking off the old self and being having a renewing of the mind how i just want you to hang on to that for a moment i just want you to hang on to that question how do i get there how do i experience that kind of change while you're thinking about that question uh, i want us to to take the lord's supper together and, and here's what I really would like for us to do. Every week we do this and we remember that Jesus died on the cross for us. And so, you know, maybe maybe when you take communion, maybe you pray and you thank him for that. Or maybe you ask for forgiveness for sin or maybe maybe something else. Uh, what I would like for you to do today is, is you take the bread and the cup and you just have a little bit of quiet time. Is I'd like you to just ask the Lord. if if our God is the one that formed us and he knows us he knows the things that trip us up and that are holding us back Let's As we ask him right now to soften our hearts and to open our ears so that we can receive from him when we've received his word that it might just find some little crevice and start to bring about some change let me pray for us lord i thank you for this morning that we can gather here and i thank you for the sacrifice that jesus made for us and as we as we just pause and remember him and we remember the great price that he that he paid for us i do i do ask lord that you would soften our hearts today help us to receive from you speak to us lord I know some of us, every one of us, we are desperate to hear from you. We we need you, Lord. We need your spirit. So I pray that you would not withhold from us. We ask that you would bless us with your presence, that your spirit would, would be with us right now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. As we uh, spend the next several weeks looking in the book of Mark and looking at the story of Jesus, kind of l- leading us toward Easter, uh, what I really want us to, to understand as we kind of go through this is, is again, if, we are, if we're waiting for God to do something, understand that He's already done something. He's already done everything. It's available, and the gift of Jesus giving his life for you is real, and it will change your life when we fully embrace and we fully accept what he has done for us. And, and when we open up the book of Mark in the very first chapter, we see the account of John the Baptist. And John's role was, was very clear and very simple. His role was to prepare the way. Jesus' ministry was about to begin and John was preaching and he was preparing the way for the Lord to come along. And it says in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 4, it says, John the baptizer appeared in the wild preaching a baptism of life change that leads to forgiveness. That's such a powerful phrase. He's preaching a baptism of life change that leads to forgiveness of sins and people thronged to him. From Judea and Jerusalem and as they confessed their sins they were baptized by him in the Jordan River into a changed life something amazing and incredible was happening around around this time what was happening people were hearing this message that your life can change that God's done something Something's happened and something is available to you. You don't have to be defined by sin anymore. That doesn't have to be who you are. That's not your identity. You don't have to keep going back and, and, and drinking from those poisonous wells. You don't have to keep returning to the brokenness. You don't have to live this, this normal, average life, but you can be changed by the power of God. That's what John, John the Baptist was preaching. And it says that they were in that preparation, the people, they were in that that... You know, if we talk about those five stages of change, they were in that preparation and in that action stage. They took a step. They did something. So they were baptized by him into change, into a changed life. They had come to this decision point, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I want something different and something better. I know some of you uh, have taken that step, and you've been baptized. Uh, and others of you, even if you haven't, you've seen it. Maybe, hopefully, you've had the opportunity to see somebody take that step, not as a a baby, but as an adult believer, as somebody who has made a decision of their own free will and said, I'm going to follow Jesus. Uh, It's it's a core thing. Everybody in the New Testament, they made a decision to change their life, to follow Jesus, and when they received Christ, when they they accepted him and said, I want him to be the Lord of my life, they were baptized underwater. Uh, It's known as the, the watery grave. And we're to understand it that, that, our, our, that what happens in that moment is that our sins are being drowned. You think about the things that def, uh, maybe have defined you in the past, the labels that have been attached to you, the, the things that you just feel like, I, I just can't break this sort of, this stuff that's just tearing up my life. You think about all that stuff just being wrestled under the water and, and left for dead there, and then I'm coming up to new life. I'm coming up out of the water as a new person it's also known as a watery grave because we are replicating what Jesus did when he was placed in the tomb that he, he died and he was raised with resurrection power something amazing happens in that moment it's so brief it's it's wonderful we clap and we celebrate but but don't mistake what happens there is something very special life change that leads to forgiveness of sin. The power of sin in some way that I can't really fully explain to you. I mean, the power of sin is broken in that moment. That's what we are witness to. You see a person giving it over to God and, and something happens. Before we accept Jesus into our lives, we're, we're, just, we're dominated by sin in every way. And we even use that kind of language when we talk about those that are outside of Christ and that their, their lives are a mess. We say, well, we can't judge because they don't know Jesus. Like we, we say those sort of things. Well, we can't judge because they don't know Jesus. In other words, they're dominated by sin. They don't even realize it. That's, that's what's defining them. But when we accept the gift that God offers when we accept Christ and we're, we're baptized, something happens. I, I kind of think about it like this. It's like a chicken. Some of you maybe grew up on farm and... And you would butcher chickens. I've done that before. You cut the head off a chicken, you know exactly what happens. For all intents and purposes, the moment that you cut the head off that chicken, the chicken is dead. But it keeps running around and makes a mess and causes problems. And it's still kind of a, still kind of a pain for, for a little bit of time there. It's, it's you know, chicken with the head cut off, you know. And that's kind of what it's like when you receive Christ, or at least the way I think about it is when you're baptized, before God, your your sin is dead. It's gone. You know, he's he's chosen to forget it. The power of sin is broken in your life, and and God doesn't see it. He's aware of it, but when he looks at you, your identity's in Jesus. And yet, in some way, even though that's still true, uh, we still run around and and squawk and struggle and there are problems that even though the power of sin is dead, it's still kind of, Still, kind of affects us, and I think the truth be told, there's no secret how I feel about this. But I think we're spending way too much time seeking and pursuing worldly things over the truth of God, and it's killing us, and it's wearing us down. We've way too many of us have found all of our identity, all of our free time—not even our free time—time time we should be doing productive things. We spend it on, on. Uh, you know things that aren't adding any value to our life at all. You know on our phones, scrolling, scrolling. There's never been a more anxious or depressed generation than those that are alive today. By every measurement and every record of, uh, you know, from from the doctors that we visit to the prescriptions that we are prescribed, everything, every marker says we're the most depressed. We're the most anxious. We've, we've got the most more hangups than anybody else. Something is off something's not right and whether that's a for for some maybe it is a a chemical imbalance issue and and we need medication to help just as we would with any other injury and that's that's good but others of us maybe it's not that there's anything wrong in our brain chemistry we're just unhappy and we're just stressed and we don't have any hope or nothing to nothing to look forward to and we're anxious all the time there's a book by a guy named John Mark Comer. He has some interesting perspectives on all that. But one thing that he said I thought is so fascinating about anxiety. Man, that is the, that is the buzzword of a, of a generation. Anxiety, anxiety. We're so anxious. But uh, one, in his book, I'm going to paraphrase something that he said. He said that anxiety is when you imagine the future minus the power of Jesus. And that's what it is. It's me on my own. It's me trying to figure this out. Just to, can you imagine? Just imagine what would happen tomorrow. Imagine next week, next month, next year. Imagine all the things that would happen if you were truly on your own. No Jesus. No Holy Spirit guiding you. No God to pray to when you, when you need him. Or even when you just want to offer thanks for the blessings around you. No God with his hand on your life at all. Some of us are I I can't even imagine that. That's not true, right? That's how a lot of us are living. We're living that way. We're trying to do things on our own. So in Mark one, you've got John the Baptist preaching and he's baptizing people, they're making decisions, and it's great, but it wasn't enough. You now many of us have seen that person make that emotional moment. It's like I, I gotta change, something's gotta give. And so say so maybe, maybe I take a little Jesus, I get dunked, and then life goes right back to normal. Why is that? Look at the next few verses. It says that as John preached, he said that the real action comes next. See, this is good. You guys are making a decision. You're taking some action. It's great. But something else is coming after this. The star in this drama to whom I'm just a mere stagehand is going to change your life. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. But his baptism, a holy baptism by the Holy Spirit, will change you from the inside out. And that's what we need. That's, That's where I think many of us Get hung up. When I look at the act of surrendering our lives to Jesus and being being baptized, I almost see it like two pillars. Uh, on the one hand, we, we have the pillar of decision. You know, I've made a choice. I have decided to follow Jesus, you know, and that's good and that's crucial. I'm repenting of my sins. I'm confessing that I'm a sinner and that I need grace. I'm committed to life change. And then there's this other pillar of what the holy spirit does. And this is the this is the big the big issue, the big tension that we wrestle with because the the truth of the gospel is that Jesus has come and he's kind of put the ball in my court and I have to I have to take a step. But if if we leave the gospel at that, if our story is I decided, I gave my life to Jesus. I did this. I was baptized. I it was me, me and and my and what I did then then the gospel is is is, is it worthless if it's just me if it's just about me and my decisions and what I did and I as an individual and I, I did all these things the power of the gospel is not in me it's not about what I did but it's it's this other part that John's talking about the power of the gospel is in what God does and that's the truth in, in all of our testimony it's not about the choice that I made but it's about the grace that God has for me and that he has chosen me, that he reached toward me and I reached back, that he's walking with me and he's loving me and forgiving me and he's doing a deep change. He's, he's working something out in me and, and we, many of us, we have not, we're still struggling with sin and we're struggling with our identity because we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to have access to our heart. That deep change from the inside out. That's what we need more than anything else. And people say, well, why should I, why, why should I do this? Why, why should I be baptized? I don't, I don't get the purpose of that. What, what would we do that for? I, I don't think there needs to be a long ex- explanation. I think the next verse is sufficient. So, says at this time, Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee came and was baptized by John and the Jordan. If he did it, we ought to do it. He set an example. Uh, I I talk to people that say, I'm not sure. I'm not convinced yet. You know, I don't know that I need to be. I just point back to this verse. If Jesus did it and he says, come follow me, then let's do it together. You know, I was thinking about this this morning. I was up and kind of spending a little time thinking about the message. And you know what what I realized is that there are There are decisions that we make that that are birthed from desire. So I I feel something. I'm I'm tired of where I am. I want something better. I want something different. I, I have a desire for something. And so as a result of that, I take action. But then there are also the reverse. There are some desires that are born out of action. I can remember being in a place if I'm just being real raw and vulnerable with you. I can remember because I grew up in church, like some of you did. I was there all the time, every Sunday. We were that was what we did. But I can remember being very angry for a long time. I didn't know what if I was mad at God or mad at my church or mad at a per I don't know. I was just angry and felt very distant. And I can remember one time having a pastor, a friend that, said to me, you know, well, don't, don't you feel this? And I said, I don't, I don't feel anything. I just feel angry and maybe, you know, hard-hearted or whatever. And he said, you know, sometimes when we just take the steps that we know we need to take, the desires change. Sometimes it's just about doing the things that you, you know up here you need to do. And the heart follows. I don't know if that'll speak to you like it did to me, but I know that if Jesus did this, if Jesus took this step of baptism, we can too. Don't underestimate the power of life change that comes when you make a decision to follow Jesus and you act on it, and you allow the Holy Spirit into your life to change you from the inside out. One thing to note, this always surprises each one of us. Whenever we make a big step, we take a big step for the Lord. We're always stunned and surprised when we struggle. You know, I thought things were supposed to be easier now. I gave my life to Jesus, and now why, why, am I ha- why am I facing all these problems? Why do I feel so tempted? Why is it like now all of a sudden life feels difficult? I thought life was supposed to be better. You know that the very next thing that Jesus did after he was baptized by John, the very next thing that happens it says he was led out into the desert for 40 days where he was tempted by the devil. Why, why is that important? Because you've got to understand that when you make a decision and you ask the Lord into your life, or maybe you say, I'm already following God, but I, I know I need to go deeper. I want, I want to be closer. I, I, want, I want God to have more control in my life. When you make those decisions, you've just put a target on your back. And you're going to face temptations. There are going to be struggles. If Jesus faced it, you're going to face it. The difference between Jesus and us, though... <laughs> is that he's God, and we're not. So when he goes out into the desert alone, he can handle that, because he's God. And that's part of what he's doing. We can't be alone. We weren't designed for that. We weren't designed to go wander and be like, okay, now I'm gonna be a spiritual lone ranger, and I got this, just me and and whatever. We we need each other. There's three crucial things elements to change we're talking about the stages but if you're going to make change if it's going to last you've got to first know who you want to be you know who's God called me to be what am I chasing and then second you have to find a community for encouragement you've got that you're you're here but you got to have people around you that are cheering for you that, and and then the, the third crucial step is you actually have to depend on that community for support you've got that means you got to let somebody in it doesn't mean that you got to say hey okay now I'm going to sit down I'm going to tell you everything I've ever done in my whole life that's not what I mean but I do mean that we've got to we've got to have people in our lives that we can go to and say hey would you be praying for me I'm really struggling with this or hey, would you would you have some time to talk? Because I'm feeling a little down about, about that. Or I'm really wanting to to grow and I need somebody. I'm trying to get in, in the word, but I'm struggling a little bit. Would you be interested? Could could we meet, maybe start meeting for coffee and just kind of read a th- few scriptures together and just talk about maybe maybe, you know, iron would sharpen iron a little bit. And we could spend some time in the word and we could be praying for each other. That is the role of the church in your life. It's not just Sunday morning, come in. This is, this is great. You know, I hope you come in here and you sing and you're encouraged and, you know, we pray together, we take the Lord's Supper. And those things are really good, you know, the, the big gathering. But the, the role of the church is more than that. It's about relationships. The last stat that I read said that the average Christian, they include everything. So this is Sunday morning service. This is small groups. This is special events. This is anything that is, you know, with quote-unquote church. The average Christian attends 1.7 times a month to anything, you know, 1.7, which is a time and a half, it's about an hour and a half, basically, a month is how much time the average Christian that says, yeah, I'm a a Bible-believing Christian person, I, I attend some kind of a church thing, an hour and a half a month, where is our mindset if we are not in an environment regularly that is calling us to something deeper. If we're spending all of our time on worldly things that are dragging us down. And I, I read a stat to you a few weeks ago It says the average, and this is true. People said, no, oh, no, no, that can't be true. I said, well, go look at your phone. Go look through the stats and show how much time you spend on it. The average American spends over 11 hours a day consuming media. Over 11 hours a day we're scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And we commit an hour and a half a month to worship. Is it any wonder why we feel a little depressed? Is it any wonder why we feel like our life lacks purpose or something bigger that we feel in our spiritual life feels stale and powerless when we aren't around the community that's so crucial to supporting the steps that we're taking? You've got to have community. You will not change. I mean, psychologists, people who study human behavior have said this again and again and again. Change is really hard, number one. And number two, you will not change until you find a community of people that supports you and you depend on them. We need each other. So I want to challenge all of us today. If we're waiting for God to do something, he's already done it. Jesus came. He, he, he has provided a way for us to have life, to find forgiveness. It's time for us to take the step. For some of you, it's the step of baptism. And maybe you don't even feel it. You say, I don't, I don't even know if I want to do this. It's, I'm going to get my hair wet. You know, it's embarrassing. I don't like to, people looking at me. And so you don't feel it. Maybe you need to take that action. Let, let the, the action drive the desire. Others of you, you got the desire, but maybe you're scared. It's time to take the action. It's time to take the step. Why? Because Jesus said to. Because Jesus set an example. He said, do this. Let's do this. For others of us, uh, it's time to make the change to get some things out of our lives for good. And you know what those things are. They're the things that you've been telling yourself. You've been kidding yourself for years now. I'll stop doing this sometime. You know, maybe in the next decade. Or maybe when I reach this milestone. Or maybe when the kids are you know, so old. Or maybe when, whatever. You, you've you've kind of set the date in your mind and, that, and you just keep moving the goal line. It's time to get rid of that stuff. It's time to get rid of it for good. You've got to know who God wants you to be. You've got to have community and you've got to allow that community to help support you in the process. I learned something else really, really cool this week. Uh, you know, in ancient Rome, we always take for granted how advanced they were, way ahead of their time. But in ancient Rome, they had all these aquifers and uh, basically they had indoor plumbing. It's amazing, you know, so, so ingenious. But they found a way to, you know, get water and take it to where it needed to go. And so people, they would have indoor plumbing in their homes and in these different places. But the one issue that they had uh, is there were places where there'd be big rocks or difficult places where they needed, a, you know, a pipe to go and they couldn't get it there. So they needed the pipes to be malleable in order to, to go around a big rock or, you know, in some other difficult place. So they made the pipes out of lead and what they didn't realize is here all these people you know what a what a great convenience this is how accessible this is so they are enthusiastically and voraciously drinking this water not knowing that the whole time it's poisoning them i thought about that this week man wow what they what they didn't realize and then i thought about us and what are the things in our lives, in your life and in my life right now, that we are so excited about, that we are so enthusiastic? Man, look look at this great modern convenience. Look at this great thing that I've gotten. I just, I love it. I'm just consuming and consuming and consuming. And the whole time, you don't realize it's killing you. It's killing you. It is robbing you of life. It's time to refocus. It's time for us to, if we're going to be revived, we've got to let our hearts be focused on Christ. We can't, be, we can't be double-minded. We can't be just so consumed and so in love with the world that we, that we give the leftovers to Christ. So here's what I want to do. We're going we're to have some, some time of worship right now. The band's going to lead us in a few songs. And I just want us to have kind of a little, kind of little old-school revival. You know, if you ever if you ever went to one, and maybe you remember the time when people would come forward for prayer. Is just this great moment. And here, here's what I want to do: if you want if you want to pray, you say, "Man, I just want to come before God myself." And just I just feel like I need to get out of my chair. You can come to this side of the stage right here, and nobody will bother you. You can come up here and just be alone with the Lord. If you want someone to pray with you, we're going to have a prayer team and some some folks that'll be on this side of the stage. So you just come up, they'll be looking for you and i pray with you. If you want to talk about a step, so you say, man, I gotta talk about what it means to be baptized. I've gotta talk about, I, I gotta do something. Myself and Phil Miller, our connections pastor, we're gonna be right down here in the front and that's why we're here to talk to you about that. And it's probably gonna be a more of a conversation we can have in 10 seconds. But let's at least identify the need. Let's pray and then we'll worship. Lord, I thank you for your word that is always challenging us to go deeper. God, I know that for many of us, myself included at times, we just get stuck. And I feel like I can't go forward and I don't know what what the next right thing to do is pray God that you would speak to our hearts today and in this time of worship as we as we sing these words to you help us to just to, to just feel your spirit a little bit Lord. we the words that we are getting ready to say to you we mean every one of them you are good you have done so much for us in us but we just want to return back to you an offering of praise this morning We ask all this in Jesus' name. Just stand with us.